Lord, we just, uh, I ask that uh, you'd speak through me, Lord. Uh, Whatever you've put on my mind and in my heart that is for our congregation today, Lord, I pray that you'd sink it deep into our hearts. Let it convict us, challenge us, encourage us. Lord, whatever might not be from you, Lord, just let it fall to the wayside. We want what you want. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So how many of you have ever gone to No Frills? Uh, down by the railroad tracks, and uh, sometimes they have these bins in there, and they have these incredible deals in in No Frills, and uh, sometimes those incredible deals are chocolate bars, and I was in No Frills one time, and I saw this bin full of these little lint chocolate bars, like legit, like Swiss chocolate, and it was, they were like 28 cents each, so I'm like, oh, I should grab three or four of those, but then the inner Mennonite in my head said, my, my little inner Mennonite has a low German accent. He says, oh, no, you can't just have two or three of those. You need to have at least 20 or 30. So, so I listened to my inner Mennonite, and I, I just grabbed a whole bunch of these chocolate bars. And in my house, uh, we, we may or may not have people that are addicted to sugar. And so you don't bring those into the main house. When you, come, when you bring copious amounts of chocolate, you, actually, you, you hide those in the garage. So I, 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 I hid them away. I, I squirreled them up. And, uh, and of course, I can't eat that much chocolate. And, and so what happens is summer rolls around and my garage is really hot. The heat comes, heats up. <laughs> And everything's just a mess. And then you go back and you're like, I think I should have one of these. You open it up and it's like, oh. So, but, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Thanks. Yeah. I'll need that for later. Thank you very much, Trudy. That was great. Uh, so, uh, you know, because I'm a Mennonite, I can't just throw it out. <laughs> I'm keeping that stuff. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and so, uh, so it gets even worse. And, and basically what I've effectively done is I've hoarded this stuff away I've buried it. I've squandered it. I should have used it. I didn't. I lost it. And today's message is called Use It or Lose It. And we, we want to listen to this because you and I will be accountable one day for what we've been given. We've been entrusted with some very valuable things and we'll be held to account one day for what we do with those. And, and the passage that we're uh, looking at today is in Matthew 25. And I'm going to just do a quick little background from Matthew 25 to understand where our passage fits in. It gives a little bit of context. So tradition has the book of Matthew written by Matthew, the tax collector. Uh, There's an introduction and a conclusion, which sandwiches five main sections in there. So in the introduction, uh, Matthew shows how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He's a continuation and a fulfillment of everything that's happened in the Old Testament. So there's genealogies in there, and it just sets it right up. Then section 1, chapters 4 to 7, talk about how God's kingdom has come to restore God's reign, to rescue sinners and create God's church. This is where we find the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talks about this upside-down kingdom. That's the nature of God's kingdom, where we love our enemies and where the meek are blessed. And the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's contrary to what the world has established. Section 2, chapters 8 to 10, show how Jesus brings this kingdom into the lives of people. So he heals the sick, raises the dead, all those wonderful things. And then in chap, uh, the third section, chapters 11 to 13, these are stories of various responses 
to Jesus. And this is very interesting. Some follow him. Some believe him and follow him. And these are typically the irreligious and unimportant people, the humble, the lowly, okay? But many do not. And these are particularly the religious and prideful people. It's very important as we move through this passage. Okay, then the fourth section, chapters 14 to 20, talk about the expectations people have about the Messiah. So the Pharisees, the, the ruling Jewish class, thought that he would be a victorious, conquering king, some, like we find in Psalm 2. Uh, but Jesus begins to show us his is an upside-down kingdom where the greatest are those who become the least. Jesus reigns by becoming a servant we gain true treasure by giving. We forgive our enemies instead of getting revenge. And we gain honor by serving and becoming the least. And then in the last section, which is where we find our passage, chapters 21 to 25 are all about the clash of Jesus' kingdom and that of the world. And much of this is a critique of the religiosity and the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. So this is where this passage sits. He's really, he's talking to the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees are people, uh, actually I'll get to this after we read the passage. So here, here's the passage, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. The parable of the bags of gold or sometimes known as the parable of the talents. Uh, verse four, 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, note that word, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered, gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. 
Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's heavy-duty stuff right there. So just a few comments. I have five areas that I believe we sometimes have a tendency to squander the gifts and talents that God gives us. But before we do that, I just want to make a few comments. The Pharisees were supposed to be the bearer of God's promise to Abraham. Okay? God promised Abraham would be a blessing to all nations. He would be a great nation uh, and, and uh, that he would inherit the land. These Pharisees, these Jewish ruling class, were supposed to be the bearers of that God promise to Abraham. Uh, that, that promise to Abraham is received by faith, just by the way. Uh, but they got steeped in religion and hypocrisy, and they squandered it. Okay, We must not do this. We must not re- let religion bury the treasure that God has given us. Okay, the, the Pharisees did not keep the main thing the main thing. They, they, they went off to a bunch of little side things that didn't matter. How, how we do our ceremonies, how I look in front of other people. What, what do I look like when I walk around town? How can I build my own kingdom? Okay? They didn't keep, what, what's the main thing? Well, it's, it's actually right in this section where Jesus has given the gears to the Pharisees. They ask him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, love Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. Notice that it's not about rules. It's not about the minutia of things and the exact specific way things are done. It's about love. It's about relationship. It's about caring from the heart. We need to be using his resources for his kingdom, and that means using them with the right kind of heart attitude. This is where the Pharisees failed miserably. They put religion ahead of loving. They cared more about their self-interest than the heart of God's commands, and so they buried and squandered what they had to offer. Also notice, this is very interesting, there is a proportional outcome to what we have been given that is expected. So if we've been given five talents, we're expected to do something great with that. You know, I think sometimes we have a little bit of trouble seeing what we've been given. Sometimes we don't we don't really realize the incredible blessings that God has poured out on us, on, on our church, on our families, even just being born in North America. God has poured out his blessing on us like crazy. So what are some areas of religion and hypocrisy that we engage in that squander the resources that we have? And I'm going to suggest today that there's five. I'm sure there's more, um, but... We'll narrow it down to these five. And I just want to say right now, I'm with you. Uh, There's these things here that I struggle with like crazy. But we need to look at these. We need to take an honest look at ourselves 
and, and, and ask whether we are squandering and burying God's resources. We need to use them or we'll lose them. Okay, number one is time. Time is a resource that we've been given by God. I used to work at a camp, uh, Stillwood. I was a program director there, and we, we were looking for some new activities. And one of the cool things I thought we could do was outdoor laser tag. This was very new at the time, and hardly anyone was doing it. So I looked into a company that supplied these laser tag guns uh, that you could use outside, very high tech at the time. And uh, I was trying to figure out which was the best one. So actually, I phoned a camp that was using these laser tag guns, and I said, hey, how do you like these? You know, do they work for you guys? And they said, yes. They're really cool. In fact, you can use them for like life lessons and, and teaching. Here's one thing that we did. So we programmed some of the guns in the laser tag game to turn off after 15 minutes. We didn't tell the kids, and none of the kids knew about this. So let's say they had a half an hour to play laser tag. So they say go, and they do their thing. They're hiding, they're ducking, they're shooting. And all of a sudden, 15 minutes later, a bunch of the kids' guns turn off, and they're, and they're useless. They're, not, they're, not good, good, they're, they're good for nothing. They can't play the game anymore. So they bring them back, and they, they, they say, so did, did you notice that some of your guns didn't work after 15 minutes? And they, they said, yeah, that, that, that was terrible. And they asked this question, would you have played differently if you knew that was going to happen? Would you play the game differently if you knew that the resource of time was limited? The passage we're talking about has a time limit on it. Listen, verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. There's a time when Jesus is coming back. That's a fixed time. It's not flexible at all. Uh, the, the appointed hours for you and I, the days and years, that's a fixed time. That is not flexible. We only have so much to play with, to play the game with, to serve God with, to invest in his kingdom, and then it's up. If you don't think time is a valuable resource, ask someone who's terminally ill and only has a couple weeks to live how much they'd give for a couple more weeks or a couple more months. A.W. Tozer said, when you kill time, remember it has no resurrection. So what kind of things do we waste our time on? Video games? Not saying that they're necessarily bad. They can be good for us to, you know, relax and recuperate. But are we spending excessive amounts of time on stuff like that? How about gossiping? Is that, is that a useful use of our time? How about being glued to your phone? Or getting likes on Facebook or Instagram or trying to get TikTok famous. How about worrying? Do you spend too much time in your day worrying about stuff? How about trying to get through to an actual human being on the phone with TELUS? That's a waste of time. <laughs> That's not your fault, though. How about overthinking things? You know, my... <laughs> I love my friend Sean, uh, uh, Sean Siemens. I know I can, I can phone Sean and I say, hey, do you want to do this? And he's like, yep, I'm in. <laughs> I remember when I was at camp and I, I would have to line up speakers for summer camp and there was just something special. I'd phone a speaker and, they, and I'd say, do you want to speak for a week? And they were like, yep, let's book it. 
right? And other people would have to just commiserate over it and figure it out. Not, not that I'm saying you shouldn't think about stuff, but do you overthink things to the point where you're not actually being any good to anybody? Sometimes we just have, a little, have to have a little faith in God that he's going to see us through what he's calling us to. Uh, or are you spending time serving others and building relationships? That's a good use of time. Are you spending it with God? That's the best use. You know he, do you know he loves you and he wants to spend time with you? He's pleased when we sit down in his presence. That is never a waste of time. Don't bury the treasure of time. Use it or lose it. The next thing is our physical resources. Obviously, this includes money, but it, it includes our, our, our stuff, you know. Uh, often we're building our own kingdom instead of investing in God's. And there's nothing wrong with having things. Of course, we need things to, to do things. And to, you need a house to live in or, or an apartment. You need a car to drive. These are good. But are we focusing on that above God's kingdom do you give a guilt mitigation tax? Do you give money to God so that you can feel good, so that you can then build your own kingdom? Well, we'll just get this out of the way. I feel okay about that now. I think I can just build up my own kingdom here. This will be great. And I don't even have to feel bad about it because I, I, I gave this over here. That's not the way we should be thinking. We should be thinking all of our resources belong to God. We should be leveraging everything we have for his kingdom, for the good of others, and, and to help others know Jesus. When we invest in ourselves, it's usually a short-term and poor investment. Who's heard of Excite? It's a search engine on the internet. One person has heard two, three all the people that work in tech have heard, have heard of Excite. Uh, Excite was second only to Yahoo in rankings of dot-com search engines in 1999. In a questionable decision by CEO George Bell, Excite turned down the, the, the chance to buy Google for, wait for it, $750,000. <laughs> Google is estimated to be around $300 billion now and pulls in about $50 million a day. Excite would have made their money back in today's terms in less than half an hour. By the time I'm finished this sermon, they would have made all their money back. <laughs> in 2001, Excite filed for bankruptcy. When we invest in God's kingdom, we have a way, way greater return on our investment than even Excite would have had if they would have bought Google. $50 million a day is peanuts compared to when we invest in eternity. It really, honestly, I, I know that messes with our, our, our sense of logic, but if you invest a, like even 20 bucks of your physical resources into God's kingdom, that's more than the return on investment that you would have got by investing in Google because that lasts for eternity, forever. 
Matthew 6, uh, 19 and onward says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Invest in what matters for eternity. Have faith. And this, this can be your stuff too. This can, if you need to lend out your car, Hey, that, that, that can bless somebody. That can be useful in, in God's kingdom. How about, how about your home? Do you, do you open up your home to, to people? Sometimes they get things dirty and stuff, and, and that's annoying. But you know what? That home belongs to, to God, right? And can we leverage that for God's kingdom? What, what about, like, just think of all the things that you have, the physical blessings that God has given you. Is there ways that you can use those to glorify God and to help others to know him better? That's what we should be doing. Don't bury that treasure. Use it or lose it. And we're all going to lose it, by the way. 100%. Like, we can't take anything with us. So, there you go. Our gifts and abilities. We often bury and squander our spiritual gifts, and and the talents that God gives us. Do you fail to use your gifts because it's too hard? Are you scared of what others may think if you use your gifts? Are Are you afraid? I was afraid to do this this morning. Part of me really doesn't like this. It's hard. This is scary. Uh, But you know what? If God gave me the ability to do this and there's a need, there's times when you got to step up. I wasn't going to share this story, but I think I'm going to share this story. I I was in uh, in Guilford Mall on Levi's birthday. Uh, I was in Guilford Mall on Levi's birthday, and uh, we we go into the public restroom, and there's a guy on the floor. He he slumped over in the stall, and and he um, he had overdosed on drugs. He, he, was, uh, he was not breathing properly, and uh, I'm like, well, we can't, we can't just leave this. You know, we, th- this could be a serious emergency situation, so propped open the door, uh, got him out of there, lied him down. He, he was not fully clothed at the time. He was, he was like, there was, he wasn't breathing. He was, there was times where he was just gasping, uh, like these kind of these terminal gasps almost and uh, uh, saliva in his mouth. And I, I trained in CPR back in the old school where you did mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, okay? And, and so I check, check his pulse and, and I check for breathing. He's not breathing. So it's, it's go time, right? This was, I, this was not a pleasant situation, but gave the guy rescue breathing, gave him some CPR. Probably, I hadn't trained in this for so long, probably the worst version of CPR that could have ever been given. But in the end, the guy walked away. The paramedics came, gave him some Narcan. They said, that saved his life, right? So, so, so sometimes you have to step up. Even when it's hard and it's gross and there's saliva... <laughs> And you have to get into the nitty-gritty of things. Sometimes we have to cowboy up, as they say, and get it done. We have resources in our gifts and talents that allow us to do things in God's kingdom. And sometimes it's not pretty, 
and we have to do it. Some of you might remember we had banana bread Barb here, Barb Giroud. Here's a report from CTV News in 2013. An Abbotsford, B.C. grandmother who set out to build an African orphanage by selling home-baked banana bread has finally realized her dream. Barb Giroud's been baking loaf after loaf almost every day for the last three years, a labor of love that began after a life-changing trip to Uganda. I'd seen, oh man, I'm gonna cry here. Okay, I'd seen the kids in the garbage dump and I'd seen the need there. It was extreme, Giroud said. I came home and I couldn't justify what I had. She went back to the town of Jinja and met a 24-year-old local man named Edwin Lufafa who shared with her vision of creating a better life for unprivileged children suffering from HIV. Gerard knew she wanted to help but had limited financial means, so she turned to her kitchen. I didn't own my house. I didn't, I didn't own my own house. I only knew how to bake banana bread. Everybody kept saying it was good. I tried it. It was good, <laughs> Giroud said. She started baking in July 2010, sending the money she made to Lufafa to buy bricks and building supplies as he updated her on their progress. More than 8,500 loaves later, the, <sighs> the orphanage is finished. <laughs> and it has been named in her honor... Jaja Barb's home of angels. Jaja means grandmother in Ganda, the major language of Uganda. Banana bread! That's all she had! It's banana bread! She built an orphanage! What do you have? What has God given you? What talent? What gift? What spiritual gift? Find out, please. Find out, use it. Don't be afraid. Step up. Don't bury your treasure. You, you use it or you lose it. The next thing is our church, uh, our particular congregation. Our congregation's meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus. She's meant to be a finely tuned instrument for the work of Jesus for glorifying God, for sanctifying his saints, and for reaching the lost. Our mission is clear. We make disciples of Christ Jesus to go out, find the lost sheep, and bring them home. Our job is to stand guard at the gates of hell and fight to keep any more souls from being lost to eternal fire. We bury and squander the effectiveness of the church. We become useless in our mission because we sometimes act like religious, hypocritical Pharisees. Do we let our personal preferences in church overshadow our main mission? Are we keeping the main thing the main thing? Our disagreements that should be relatively minor, put so far to the forefront that we have lost sight of what's truly important, rendering us useless in carrying out our primary mission, effectively burying our church in the ground. This church is a gift, people. This group of saints right here, this is a gift that we're meant to leverage for God's kingdom. 
not building our own kingdoms. If, you're, if we're doing this, we need to stop it and repent. Our mission is more important than the minutiae. Our mission, the main thing, is more important than the minutiae, the little details. Has gossip and slander been given the opportunity to take root and allowed to grow, bearing its evil poison fruit that hamstrings our effectiveness to help people from going to hell? Are we doing that? How dare we think that God will withhold his judgment on that? There, the time is coming. There is a short time. We cannot get away with that for much longer if we're doing that. We need to stop. We need to repent. There's bigger, more important things at hand. There's lost souls. And finally, his spirit. Let me just pray for a second here. God, forgive us. You are great and awesome and mighty, and you're a God of justice. Lord, we thank you so much for your ongoing patience with us. Forgive us where we test it. Lord, work in our hearts. Bring us to a place where we are clean vessels for you, where we are broken for the things that break your heart. Let it come, Lord. We need your Holy Spirit. Amen. Lastly, his spirit. Check out this section from an article I found. There's a group of American tourists who were stunned to hear that they had spoken with her, Queen Elizabeth, uh, without even realizing it. She's up in Balmoral having a holiday, just relaxing, the royal commentator Neil Sean told Nine News Australia via the Express earlier this month. The queen goes out and about in the gardens, not just hers, but outside. Sean went on to explain how the queen dresses down while she's out and about, and a group of American tourists happened to be near and failed to recognize her. They said to her, Hey, have you ever met the queen? And she said, well, no, not me personally, but this gentleman who is a policeman has. <laughs> I imagine that's her bodyguard. <laughs> so they were more interested in the policeman who'd met the queen than the actual queen there, right? So how, okay, that's funny, but how often do we do this with the Holy Spirit, okay? A, a lot of times... We're, we're, we're more interested in hearing from people that talk about the Holy Spirit than we are with actually meeting with the Holy Spirit. We have someone way, way, way more important than the queen that we have access to all the time and we fail to engage with him. We need to wake up. This is a conceptual, it's, a, it's an issue of faith because... I think sometimes we don't really realize that the, the, the risen Savior lives inside us. And we can have real fellowship through the Holy Spirit. This isn't just, this isn't just a head knowledge. The, the Bible tells us to worship in spirit 
and in truth. I think we're really good at the truth part. A lot of us know scripture really well. Uh, We're very intellectual about our faith, and that's good. We have to do that. But God wants to know us on a heart level. Did you know it's okay to feel God? God didn't just, when he created us, he made us feel things towards one another. There's absolutely nothing in the Bible that tells me that this type of dynamic shouldn't happen between us and God via the Holy Spirit. In fact, the opposite is true. God gives us a peace that passes understanding. That's a feeling, okay? We can relate to God on a personal heart level. We have an incredible resource in the Holy Spirit that we, I think we, we rarely tap into to, to its full potential. We find him in scripture, absolutely. He appeals to our intellect, and he should. If, if he doesn't, there's something wrong, because we're to worship him in spirit and truth. We find him when we worship. Do you, do you feel God's presence when we worship? Do you, do you feel him stirring within you? Do you, do, you, do you feel his love? Do you feel his encouragement? That's a good thing. We find him in prayer when we cry out to him. When we, we find him when we are on our knees seeking his face. We find him when we ask him to let us experience him. Have we actually sat down or got on our knees and said, God, I, I really want to experience your love. Not only is that okay, that is like, fuel for us. We find him when we cry out to him from our hearts. We find him when we ask him to speak to us. We find him when we spend time listening. If we ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and he's an omniscient, omnipotent God that loves us, why would he not speak to us? Of course he will. We're his kids. We're his children. He wants to speak to us. He guides us. He encourages us. He gives us real power to live out his kingdom work and our relationship with him. When we don't tap into this, we squander the resource of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. When we don't spend time on our knees with him, we squander this, and it results in ineffectiveness in the things that we're doing. Instead, we go through our day worried, full of anxiety. We see things through the lens of of our flesh and our human nature. We're building our own kingdoms. We're we're acting like Pharisees. When When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we cry out to him, when we focus on Jesus, man, everything changes. He gives us eyes to see what matters. And finally, the greatest treasure we cannot afford to squander or bury is the gospel. Above all things, this falls under, all of these things fall under the the umbrella of the gospel, of the gospel. You, it was the Pharisees, the Jews that were the bearers of the promise, uh, the covenant to Abraham. You are now God's chosen people. Bearers of the covenant of the promise to Abraham. That covenant was fulfilled in Jesus, and it is the treasure to end all treasures. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, that you may declare. We can't hide this under a bowl. This is what we were reborn for, to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his glorious light. We need to share the good news that we've been entrusted. We need to live it, own it, let it wash us clean and make us new. And we need to bring it out to the lost and dying and broken world. We need to throw off religiosity and hypocrisy and keep the main thing the main thing and live it. This treasure was bought with an enormous price. God is not okay with us squandering it. Don't bury your treasure. Use it or lose it. Time is short. Jesus is coming. I'd like to invite the band up. We want to find Jesus when he comes back. We want to find his people. We want him to find his church with him ruling and reigning in us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much uh, that you have a main thing for us, and it's good. Lord, we thank you that you love your church, your people, and you're not willing to let us, to let us falter. You're not willing to let us squander the deposit that you've put in us. Lord, I pray as we hear these uh, challenging words, Lord, all of us, Lord, that we take them to heart. Lord, forgive us where we fall short. Lord, help us not to, to be able to walk out of here staying the same. Where if we need to change something, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come and your will be done in our hearts, in our church. We desperately need you. We desperately want you.